Hey, Dan, how can I stop being a loser? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, Joanna and I have been on the road a couple weeks here, and the questions have mounted up. Man, we got some wild questions today, some wonderful things to cover. I got some really great tips I think you're going to enjoy. Grab your pen and paper. Let's go with this edition of 48 Days Online Radio. Here's some of the questions. Dan, can I teach another company's principles? How about this? Dan, I've lived a lie for most of my life. How would you advise my 23-year-old son to launch himself out into the world and look for opportunities rather than dwell on the doom and gloom and admittedly real limitations? All right. Somebody says, I don't know what I'm good at other than being a classroom teacher. Hey, if you've been good at being a classroom teacher, you got a lot of opportunities. We'll, we'll unpack that for you. And then somebody says, what are your thoughts for creating a YouTube channel as a means of generating income? I've got a really awesome example of a kid who called in to Dave Ramsey show, said we're debt free and what they're doing with YouTube to create income. And it's also a really awesome um, 48 days testimonial. I want you to hear that. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Well, here's a quotation for today. This comes from Henry Miller, who was an author. He wrote books like Tropic of Cancer, Black Spring and others. He said, all growth is a leap in the dark a spontaneous, unpremeditated act without the benefit of experience. So we'll use that as kind of a framework. If you're going to grow, you are probably going to have to walk into some things where you don't have an experience that may be terrifying for you the first time. But that is how we grow. That's kind of the definition of growth. It means something's happened that hasn't happened before. So if you just continue doing the same thing you've always done, guess what? Your life is going to stay pretty much the same. So if you want change, then you have to welcome welcome growth. And as you welcome growth, you're going to walk through some things you've not experienced before. And that's okay. Well, our resource today, I'm going to just direct you to the Eagles community. We have so much happening in there. I just... I'm blown away at the excitement, the new ideas being launched. I mean, I'm starting right now uh, with a small group where I've selected from their applications, a group called Will It Fly, where we're going to talk about people generating their first consistent $1,000 a month. Then we're going to go to $5,000 a month and $10,000 a month with different groups, but I got other applications lined up for that. Just exciting things. Check it out, 48dayseagles.com. If you've not, for some reason, not a part of our community there yet, that where is all the juices happening? Well, I got some good news things here. Here's one I just pulled off a good news source. Hero Teen is rewarded for returning $135,000 he found next to an ATM. Check this out. This guy, Jose, just last Sunday, had a trip to the ATM that he's going to remember for a very long time. This 19-year-old, Jose, was helping his grandfather buy a pair of socks online when he noticed his account balance was low. So he drove to the nearest Wells Fargo in his home, near his home there in Albuquerque, to make a deposit. 
Well, he was about to make an incredible discovery. When he arrived to make the deposit, he noticed a clear plastic bag on the ground right there beside the ATM, filled with cash. Well, it was full of $50 bills, $20 bills, all wrapped together in stacks, and the total was more than $135,000. Well, he says, when I first saw it, I kind of stared at it for a few seconds, not knowing what to do. He says, I was very shocked. I've never seen so much money. Obviously, crazy thoughts raced through his head. Was someone going to kidnap him? Was he being filmed? Was this some kind of a practical joke? Well, he looked around, kind of checked things out. And after taking a moment to collect himself, he did what he thought was the right thing to do. He called the police. They came discovered the money had accidentally been left behind by a worker who was supposed to refill the ATM. Now, what do you think that guy's job review was for <laughs> for this year? He left a bag with $135,000 in it laying on the ground? Golly. Well, he says, you know, this money could have made a big difference in my life, obviously. But um, the police officers say this young man did the integrity thing did obviously the right thing. He said this, the officer said this is, was unique and refreshing for the department in the city of Albuquerque. Um, you know, it's funny, Joanna, I just got back from Florida. The last two times we've been in Florida, I found wallets, one on a sidewalk early on a Sunday morning. I found a bag with a significant amount of cash in it, not 135,000, but cash in it, a wallet and a paycheck. Fortunately, because of the identification in there, I was able to to track down, go right to the guy's house and gave it back to him. And then we were just down there again. And in the parking lot of the hotel, I found a wallet on a parking lot. Well, I went in assuming it would probably belong to somebody who was a guest at the hotel, turned it into the hotel. But, you know, I mean, it should be, if you live a life of integrity, those decisions are pretty easy. And I compliment this young man on doing what he did. Now, since then, he's been um, honored as a hero, been given gifts, gift cards from local restaurants. He's gotten sports gear, season tickets for the University of New Mexico football, uh, was given a $500 scholarship from an electric company. So some cool things have happened and rightfully so, but just a great example of somebody living a life of integrity. Well, a couple of the good news things here. These are from listeners of our 48 days podcast. Victoria writes in, it's been seven years since I punched into 48 days to the working love and I haven't looked back. I began with your advice to become a contract bookkeeper. I still do that, but now I do more consulting and train other bookkeepers to help them establish their own businesses. I help my business in our private recording studio and I play gigs in an acoustic duo. Kelly says all the way from nursing homes to coffee shops, to outdoor festivals, to busking on the street. I recently published my first book, Escape from Darkness, which is promoted on the staff page of our recording studio website. Punching the clock was never this rewarding. I'm now focused more on public speaking and was delighted to hear the podcast with Kent Julian. As always, thank you for all you do. Continue to do. It has changed my life. Well, thank you, uh, Victoria, for that kind message and an update on what you're doing. Never get tired of hearing those kind of stories. Here's another one. Now, this comes from Abaiti Kanzania. Okay, how's that? 
I'm sure I butchered the name, but anyway, you'll understand the origination when I read you the note here. Dear Dan, I trust you are well. Thank you for your weekly dose of hope and direction in the area of applying one's passions for meaningful, purposeful, and profitable work. I've been reading your mails and listening to your podcasts since 2012. Then I bought and read your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, in 2014. Your work made me understand the importance of doing work you love. I used your framework to discover it, and in 2016, I quit my job and started my entrepreneurship journey. I'm now a business coach teaching business owners how to make their businesses profitable and scalable. I now want to also start coaching individuals and groups using your method of finding the work you love in 48 days. The purpose of this email is to thank you for your influence in my life and ask you how I can become a 48 days coach here in my home country in Kampala, Uganda in the heart of East Africa. I would appreciate your support and tools. Looking forward to hearing from you. Yours sincerely. Well, golly, what a great note to get. Somebody in Uganda who has positioned himself as a business coach and wants to be an individual coach. Well, we'll certainly get you information about our coaching mastery program. And um, because the way we have it set up, we do have people from around the world who are in there. Be delighted to get you the materials on that. I'll put a show a note in the show link as well for coaching mastery, and that's what we'll be sending this young gentleman. All right, let's jump into some questions here. Clint says, I'm in the process of starting my own digital marketing agency focused on clarifying my client's message and amplifying it through social media ads. The principles of clarifying the message come from Donald Miller's company story brand. I will eventually pursue being a licensed guide for their company after I get some traction. But in the meantime, how can I use the principles I've learned from StoryBrand about clarifying a message without infringing on legal rights to their company? I respect their company and I don't want to break any laws or plagiarize their material, but they've so cornered the market on this concept that any principles will have obviously come from them. I'm very thankful for what you're doing. Looking forward to your guidance. Wow, what a great question, Clint. All right. So let's kind of back out of this a little bit. Let's look at the concept of finding work you love. Now, I wrote a book titled 48 Days to the Work You Love. Wow, thank goodness that prevents anybody else in the world from writing about finding work you love. Well, you know that's not true. That's preposterous. There are hundreds, thousands of people who have written about finding work you love, how you understand yourself, how you follow your passion for work that you love. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. I see lots of references to finding work you love that did not originate with me. Now, there's a lot of concepts out there that did originate with me and have been repurposed and taken by other people. Uh, That's okay, too. We're all in the same game together here. I believe in abundance. And Donald Miller does, too. Incidentally, Donald Miller is a friend of mine. He lives right here in Franklin, as I do. And yeah, StoryBrand is a wonderful, wonderful model. We take every new product that we come up with through the StoryBrand framework. Now, Donald is a big fan of movies. So he shows developing your story personally or your company's story in the same framework as they use in writing a script for a movie, right? There's some kind of a challenge, some kind of a conflict. There's somebody who is the hero of the story. And then a guide comes along and says, I can guide you. And if you choose this, this will be the outcome. If you choose that, 
That'll be the outcome there. So it, it walks through a model that's been used for hundreds of years with movies, books, product launches. Again, the principles, Donald's done a wonderful job of pulling those together and making it the story brand model. But you can use, I mean, think about my buddy, Dave Ramsey. I mean, how many other people have talked about how to manage your finances well and do well in that space? Now, he's got some unique terms like financial peace and all those things, entree leadership, but the concepts are really you know ubiquitous, meaning they, they, anybody has access to them. So you don't need to worry about it. There are other people that have used, well, some of Donald Miller's influence, but are also teaching people how to create compelling messages. Ray Edwards who's a good friend of mine, good friend of uh, Donald Miller's as well, uh, Sarah Anna Powers. I mean, these are people who are teaching how to craft your message. And they're doing it independently, even though they were influenced greatly by Donald Miller's material. So, Callie, Clint, I would encourage you to go ahead and do what you want to do. I mean, it, it, now you don't pull paragraphs out of his book on, you know, marketing message. You, you don't pull out exact phrases and use a whole page of that from Donald. That would be plagiarizing, but just simply to help people craft their message and do it well, where you make it your own using some of his principles and certainly a lot of other people out there use their principles. You can do that and don't without any problem at all. Juliet says, I don't know what business to start. Now this is just kind of short and sweet, but I know it touches a nerve with a lot of you. I'm clear that I'm entrepreneurial. I can also track business expenses. I have an inflexible job right now. However, I have no idea what business to start. All right. Now I chose that because just short and sweet. I just want to address it again one more time because there's a process you can go through. A lot of you are saying, gee, I want to start a business. In doing this new program that I'm doing in the Eagles community, Will It Fly, where I'm walking people through how to, how to grow your business. A lot of people applied. I mean, we had tons of people that applied, said, I want to be in that, how to make my first thousand dollars a month, but I have no idea what I would do. Well, I did not select them for this particular process. I wanted people who already had a business structure, who had already decided on something and are already making, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month. So it's just how to grow from that to more income. But it's not the process of, gee, I've I've got no idea what it would be that I would do. I would just like to do something. That's a different process. But if you're one of those people like Juliet here, I mean, that's cool. That's a good starting point. Identify 20 things that you think you'd enjoy doing and then filter those through what you know about yourself. Right back to the core principles of 48 days. Understand your skills and abilities, your personality tendencies, your values, dreams, and passions. Those should create a filter where you can take a list of 20 and narrow it down to three or four really quickly because you know they fit you. It doesn't matter if it worked for somebody else. That's not a good gauge of whether it's something you should pursue. It's how much does it fit you? That's what you do. And in doing that, and this is something you can do in an afternoon if you want to, make a list of 20 ideas, things that you think would be cool to do, fun to do, you know other people are successful doing them, and then filter those You know, using what you know about yourself, narrow that down to three or four items, then do a little bit more research, and then just simply choose one and act. There's not one right idea in the world for you. There's not one right kind of work for you to do in the world. 
There's a whole broad scope of things. When I look at myself and, and understand my skills and abilities, my personality tendencies, my values, dreams, and passions, I love being an author. But my goodness, there's a whole lot of other things I could do that would embrace what I know about myself as well. That's just one where I simply chose, this is what I'm going to do. So if you use that process, you ought to be able to, and you need to do this yourself. Don't expect somebody else to just say, well, gee, I know somebody that's making a lot of money on eBay. Why don't you do that? Uh, that that's, a, that's a loose kind of way to make a choice. And it could be a Band-Aid solution and end up being something that's frustrating to you. No, you got to look inward first, but then you ought to be able to do this in a very short period of time and identify those three or four ideas that would in fact fit you. All right, Michael says, Dan, I need some accountability. I'm a longtime 48 Days Eagle, longtime fan of your podcast. I have a confession. I've lived a lie for most of my life. I've read all the books. I've written down my dreams, goals, and even plans in dozens of notebooks, but each and every time I've failed to follow through with anything. Long story short, I know what to do. I'm just so afraid of trying and failing, so I do nothing. I can console myself with the thought that had I tried, it might have worked, which makes me feel there is still hope. Had I tried and failed miserably, my worst fear would be realized. It's a sad way to live. This Thursday, I plan to completely embarrass myself every day for 30 days. I will be in what I call the discomfort zone, and I need your help. Well, I need you and your people. How can I take advantage of the opportunity the 48 Days Eagles offers and gain some friends and accountability partners? How can I make it work this time? Can I get help for even the basics, web design, et cetera? And most of all, why do I sabotage myself every time I attempt to try? Thanks for all you do, Mike. Wow, that's tough. That's a painful situation to recognize it. Now, I commend you, Mike, on taking steps to walk out of that. And you can do that. My goodness, yes, in the Eagles community, share exactly what you shared here. Share what you're going to do and tell people to hold you accountable. Tell them what you're going to do to embarrass yourself today. This is a great exercise, incidentally, when you know that it's fear that's holding you back. You know, some people will gauge that as, low self-confidence or procrastination or even perfectionism. They're waiting to get it perfect. You know, perfectionism is not as much a desire for excellence as it is a politically correct way to protect yourself from the fear of taking action. So taking action can walk you out of fear. A couple weeks ago in 40 Days Eagles, I had as our guest Ruth Sukup, who wrote the book, Do It Scared?, well, she's experienced a lot of fear and she talks about the things that she did to walk out of that. She also talks about what we can do to walk through our fear. And no matter who you are, you have some kind of fear that can work against you. Now, if you understand it, then you can categorize it and move forward with confidence anyway. Now, Mike, in terms of what you're doing, it reminds me of, of the guy, his name is Jia Zhang. And um, he did an experiment where he had 100 days of rejection. Now, here's a setup. I want to tell you this real quick because it's so profound and so significant. And I'll give you a link to his site. Well, his site is rejectiontherapy.com. There's some hilarious things on there, including his little 15-minute TED Talk is absolutely astounding. It'll blow your mind. Now, he, in there, he tells about the fact when he was six years old, he was in school, 
I think his uh, I think his home country was Japan. So he's in a class of thirty, and the teacher brought in thirty gifts that were set up in front of the room. Thirty gifts, and here it was a setup. So she said, "I want somebody in the room to compliment somebody else in the room." The person who receives the compliment can then go up and get a gift. So you're getting two gifts, a compliment and a gift from somebody else. Well, from the teacher in this case. So they started that. And somebody would give a compliment and this little kid, you know, would cheer really loud, blah, blah, blah. And so they'd go through the class of 30. They said they were down to 10, down to eight, blah, 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 down to three, three kids left. And nobody was given a compliment. And the teacher was like, well, no, come on, you know, somebody give a compliment to these kids. Nothing. Three kids left in there. And she finally, in her own embarrassment, didn't know what to do. She said, hey, you guys just go up and get the last three gifts. Now, what do you think the impression was for this little kid, this little boy, six years old, all the other kids, well, except for two others, got compliments, something that the kids could recognize as a good characteristic, a trait, whatever, in them, he got nothing. Well, he remembered that. That was a really, really deep thing for him. When he was 14 years old, he saw a video with Bill Gates. He thought, oh my gosh, you know, this guy built a major company and he told his family, his friend, he said he was going to build the biggest company in the world and then he was going to buy Microsoft. Well, that didn't happen. He did grow up, you know, got a job, job he wasn't thrilled about, you know, had a chance for a promotion. Then he got rejected for that. And he thought, oh man, you know, he's just going to be in this stinking job for the rest of his life. And he thought, now, wait a minute, would Bill Gates stop after one rejection? So he started studying, where do rejection and fear come from? And he realized we really cringe just thinking about the idea that we may try something and fail. And so I thought, what if I could make myself immune to the feelings of failure by purposely failing over and over and over again? Thus, he started 100 Days of Rejection. Now, this is classic a lot of you, I know I've mentioned it on here before because this has been a couple of years ago that this happened. Uh, he wrote a book, Rejection Proof, How I Beat Fear and Became Invincible Through 100 Days of Rejection. This is something some of you could really learn from, experiment with as well. So his goal, Gia, his name, what his goal was to desensitize himself from the pain of rejection and overcome fear. So he set three criteria for himself to be ethical, no lying. He wanted to be legal. So he he was going to make sure, you know, that he didn't do anything illegal in this process. But here's some of the things that he did. The first day, he asked a stranger for $100. So he walked up to the guy. He said the guy was a big, burly guy and sitting there, looked like a security guard or something. And he says, hey, can I borrow $100? The dude looked up and he said, no. Well, he said, okay. And he turned around and ran away. But you know what? He thought, gee, the guy didn't threaten me. He didn't ask me if I was crazy. I'm really okay. I simply asked and he said no. So he went on the next day, you know what he did? He asked for a burger refill. So he went to hamburger joint, you know, at his meal, blah, blah, blah. And he went back up and said, can I get a burger refill? And the kid says, what are you talking about? 
Well, he says, you know, a burger refill. Like you, you refill drinks. It's it's like that, only a burger. But what he, he engaged the conversation, got the guy really intrigued. And he says, I don't know. I'll talk to my manager about it. And so it raised his level of understanding that if he asked and got rejected, it wasn't life-threatening. Next day, he went to Krispy Kreme and asked for a donut that was shaped like five donuts interlocked where it looked like an Olympic Olympic symbol. Well, the donut maker was so intrigued by his request, he went back and about five minutes later came back and there it was, perfectly done with colors and everything. And he was blown away. Now, that, that video is on YouTube, incidentally. There's been over 5 million views. So, he st- and he started to experiment. He started to realize... All he had to do was ask. So he started asking. He went into a Starbucks and said, I want, I want to be your greeter. Can I be your greeter? And they said, what do you, what's a Starbucks greeter? And he said, well, like at Walmart, they have somebody there welcoming people in. The guy says, well, we don't have anything like that here. He says, well, I know, but you know, can I do that? Can I be a greeter? And the guy says, okay, sure. So for an hour, he was a greeter at Starbucks. Then he asked a college professor, he says, can I teach your college class? Well, he asked three different college professors and had one that said, you know what? I like your idea. I like your concept. Yeah, let's schedule this. So he did. Well, he went on. There's all kinds of things. You can easily find the list. Um, He asked to speak over Costco's intercom. He asked to borrow a dog from the Humane Society. He asked to sit in the police car's driver's seat. He asked, there's one where he Ask, he had a flower, a flower plant, and he knocked on the door and said, can I plant this in your backyard? And the guy says, no. Okay, instead of running away, Gia said, why? Why not? And the guy says, well, I got a dog, and anything I plant in the backyard, the dog just digs up anyway. He says, but you know what? The gal who lives across the street, her name is Connie, she loves flowers. Why don't you check with her? So he got a rejection but he got a referral. He went across the street, talked to Connie. Connie says, absolutely. She was thrilled to see him. Absolutely. He planted a flower in her backyard. Now this went on. And here's the thing too. And a lot of you will appreciate this because here's a guy who took action in something that he was scared to death about, but he took action. And as a result, it opened up tons of new opportunities. He's been featured, of course, on Ted, Forbes, Business Insider, Inc. Magazine, CNN, Wired Time. He's been on uh, the Today Show. (laughs) It's one of those things, again, like our quotation for today, all growth is a leap in the dark, a spontaneous, unpremeditated act without the benefit of experience. So I'm going to come back to you, Michael, with your question. Man, I commend you. Do 30 days of things that embarrass you. It'll help you build up immunity to the rejection, the fear of failure. And there was so many things that I have done over the years where the first time around, I was terrifying. But I really believe in that old advice from W. Clement Stone, do what you fear and fear disappears. Now that, you know, doesn't apply to ridiculous things. You're not going to jump off a 300 foot cliff, you know, and realize you get over your fear. No, fear serves you well. But if you have things where you want to move into new areas of growth and opportunity, certainly just Help yourself move through that. And in doing so, just yesterday I was working with a lady and we're leveraging what she's already doing, just expanding her opportunity, the services she provides. So it helps 
compensate for the fear she has about moving into a new direction. So we're going to provide a gentle blend and a transition, and I think she can walk right through it. Well, let's keep moving here. Laura says, my son finished his undergraduate degree in finance from Ohio University in May of 2019. Long story short, he blew last year off, got into lots of trouble, gave me lots of stress. I had given him your 48 days book, directed him to the story you have about a recent college grad who received six job offers in 10 days. My son's currently finishing a finance certification course. He does not have his college degree yet, though, because he has an internship requirement that has not been completed. He has zero job hunting confidence and some social anxiety. He's smart, though, writes well, and enjoyed a number of his college finance classes. He must step up to the plate once and for all, find some kind of work, and become self-supporting and live on his own. But everyone, except in his immediate family, is throwing up their arms and bemoaning the pandemic and saying that virtually nothing will be available, nobody's hiring now. I don't believe this to be true. While acknowledging our current and severe economic downturn and unemployment rates because of the virus, how would you advise a young person like him to launch himself out into the world and look for opportunities rather than dwell on the doom and gloom and admittedly real limitations. I love your podcast. Thanks for all you do. Well, a 23 year old who's not working and there's always going to be circumstances that work against us. You know, the economy is bad. Nobody's hiring. Gee, I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too whatever. You know, there's always reasons, but none of of them really carry weight. Now, we just went through a really strange time, admittedly. So we went from historically low unemployment to historically high unemployment. Not a real reflection of the work environment by any means, but by other factors, as we know. But what's happening is, There are tons of companies that are hiring right now. There are companies who are experiencing employees who no longer want to come back to the jobs they had. Thus, there are thousands of new job opportunities out there. In the entrepreneurial world, the opportunities have been pretty amazing. Yesterday, in a call with a group of people, we had 25 people on a call who are all entrepreneurs. I was astounded to hear about the explosive growth that has happened for these companies in the last two months. Now there are companies in their traditional companies like construction where they were prohibited from doing traditional construction. And so they pivoted very quickly to doing gardening boxes, picnic tables, things they could do in their shop and people would buy. They have been overwhelmed with calls and opportunities. They such that they, they are hiring as quickly as they can bring in a new carpenters to try to keep up with the demand that they've had. I mean, those are the stories. I mean, somebody using the economy right now, I don't care what the situation is right now as an excuse is simply looking for an excuse. Now here's where you may have to have some firm boundaries as a mama, a 23 year old son who's doing nothing. Nah, that's not going to fly. I mean, whether he has his degree or not, it doesn't matter. You know, he can go, he doesn't have to find something in a fancy finance office. I mean, he can go out here and work on a construction crew or start mowing yards. I mean, there's so many things that he can do immediately. And I would simply put down some boundaries for what has to happen. You can't live here free. Okay. You know, you're welcome to stay under our roof for a period of two months, 
But even in that period of time, you have to pay $400 a month rent. How are you going to do that? There just have, there has to be some motivation there so he doesn't have an easy option to just stick around. Again, the process can be very simple. What are your skills and abilities? What are your personality tendencies? What are your values, dreams, and passions? I mean, you say that he is intimidated about job hunting. Well, can you do something online? Is there something you can do of value? Now, I've got an example coming up in just a little bit here that may lend itself to giving you some ideas in this space as well. But it doesn't have to be to go get a regular job. But if it's not that, then what are you going to do? You can't do nothing because you're intimidated about going out and getting a job. No, that's not a solution. You have to do something. Well, Shara says, I don't know what I'm good at other than being a classroom teacher. I need help determining what skills I have and how I can transfer those skills into a strong money-making opportunity that gives me the freedom I've experienced during COVID-19. So here's a teacher who, because of COVID-19, had a whole lot of time at home and she discovered, wow, you know, I kind of like this. I like the freedom that I've got here. She says, I'm home and my days are one-tenth of the work I was doing. I don't mind working hard, but as a teacher, I work extraordinarily hard to make someone else's dream come true. I love teaching, but the pay is not in line with the countless amount of work. There is way more extra work that we do than actual educating students. All right, Cher, as a teacher, as a competent teacher, the opportunities you've got out there are limitless. Let me give you just three or four and you take it from there. You ought to be able to make a list of 20 things before the sun goes down today that you can do as a teacher. So there are there are thousands and thousands of families that all of a sudden are doing homeschooling that they didn't know they were going to have to do. Well, a lot of them are looking for competent teachers. So if you teach biology or algebra, something that is not likely to be a real sweet spot for a a stay-at-home mom, yeah, you can put yourself out there as a teacher. I mean, when our kids were being homeschooled years ago, we had teachers who were competent in specific areas. And on a certain day of the week, they'd get together for two hours where we'd have, you know, eight homeschooling students coming together. And the economy of scale, having students come together like that, I mean, a teacher can make, you know, 200 bucks an hour by being a tutor in that particular topic. So there's certainly that. There are companies that are looking for teachers to just do training in-house. There are companies like AMA, American Management Association, Fred Pryor, Pageant Thompson, who do these workshops and seminars. They'll send out 100,000 flyers. They'll put 100 people in a hotel room, and they need an experienced facilitator to come in and present the material. So you don't even have to, to come up with your own material. You can present material that's already been put together by their company, but they need somebody who's used to being in front of people in a training situation. Use a teacher, walk right into that opportunity, and they typically pay a couple thousand dollars a day to do that, to go in and just present a course. There's that. There's an example I've got of a friend, Jim Hodges. I used this example in No More Dreaded Mondays, where he was in the military and then coming out, his wife said, gee, what are you going to do? Um, and he had been a teacher and he thought, well, he's got to go back to teaching, but teaching had changed. He didn't want to go back into a public classroom. She said, well, if money were no object, what would you really like to do? He said, oh, I'd love to sit around the house all day and read old history books. Well, guess what Jim does today? He essentially does that. In doing that, he creates content for homeschoolers. So he brings to life the old historical 
stories like G.A. Henty and those that are in the public domain, so there's no copyright issues. He reads those, brings the stories to life, and creates content. Then he and his wife go to, you know, they have grown children. He and his wife go to 10 or 12 different homeschooling conferences. They sell that, and he makes significantly more than six figures in doing that way more than he could possibly make as a teacher, but he's using the skills that he refined as a teacher. Those are the kind of things you can do. Yeah, this is a great time to see, to recognize a new opportunity and realize you don't have to go back into the classroom if you don't want to. All right, a couple more. Chris says, Dan, I'm a longtime listener, yet this is my first time writing. Thanks for your wisdom shared throughout the years in your podcast. I'm currently in my mid forties and have been a web developer for the last 19 years. I I've had the entrepreneur bug for years, maybe even decades. Though this crisis has really made me seriously dig deeper. I'm constantly keeping my eyes open to creating residual income. Here's my question. What are your thoughts about for creating a YouTube channel as a means of doing that? Additionally, whenever I, Consider creating training videos on YouTube, uh, which focus on front-end web development. I'm overwhelmed by the amount of content already out there in my field. How do you create a presence on YouTube that is unique and fresh that will attract an audience? All right, so let's let's, let's look at that. You know what? I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna make this the last one because I want to end with something here that is really mind blowing, and it's right in this space. So, how do you create training? videos on YouTube and make money. Well, this is kind of a, a, a two-part process. It's like when I go to speak at a conference, you know what I'm looking at? I'm not looking at the fee they're going to pay me to come there. I'm looking at who are the people that are going to be in the seats at this conference. I would rather be paid zero and be in front of the right audience than to be paid $10,000 and walk out of the room and that's the end of the game. Because if I can speak and the people in the seats are candidates for the other things that we do at 48 days, you know, coaching mastery, the Eagles community, mastermind, products, seminars, and all the, if they're candidates, I'll make a whole lot more money by doing it in that way. Okay. Now back to our YouTube example here. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, if I put a training video out there and it's $27 and I have two people buy it, you know, I didn't, didn't do very much. Well, you're right. Because you're looking the wrong place for income. Let me give you another example. Had a young gentleman here in Nashville. He was a weather caster, really great guy and well-known, recognized name and all that. Great guy. And he said he wanted to do workshops. And he really preferred to do those like in churches, get people together and teach them about how to handle severe weather. You know, how to protect yourself, how to know when something's coming, how to get from the mall to your car, if there's a storm, those kind of things. And he was like, you know, can I do this and make money? I said, sure you can. He's like, well, what would people pay for that? And I said, probably nothing. And he's like, well, how's that work? And I said, you're looking at the wrong place as your source of income. Having people pay for information about the weather is a challenge. People are used to getting free information about the weather as much as you want. I said, but what about sponsors, vendors, business people, merchants who would like to have credible exposure from you to the people sitting in the pews. So he did his first, his very first one. I could give you specifics on it, but he went out and he visited 15 businesses. You know, the Chevy dealership, 
you know, the insurance company, real estate company and all the, and told him what he was going to do. He's going to get people together in a church setting, teach them about weather, but he was looking for sponsors. Out of the 15 that he visited, 12 of them said yes. His first presentation, he had 141 people there. I know the specific 141 people in a church of Christ that showed up for his presentation and he had 2,500 bucks in his pocket. And those sponsors said, they'll do that anytime he wants to do a presentation like that. So let's go back to YouTube. So with YouTube, to put up a video where you charge for it is kind of tricky and you may get a very low response. What if you did something that was interesting for people to watch and while they were watching it, you had a little banner ads at the bottom that were recommending different businesses. That's how people make money. That's how people bank money on YouTube. That's exactly how they do that. Now, a few years ago, there was a young couple who called in to Dave Ramsey's show. Back, you know, doing the debt-free scream, we're debt-free. I'm going to play just three minutes of this. And I'm going to tell you exactly what happened with this young couple. What they walked through, and we'll wrap up with this. What this young couple walked through, how they did this, and how they went from $40,000 a year to over 10 times that. Listen to this clip. We are calling in, have uh, four kids and no debt. So we wanted to let you know about it. Four kids and no debt. How much debt have you paid off? Well, over the last four years, when I first started listening to you, I was a granite measurer driving around Phoenix, Arizona, totally bored in my truck, looking for something interesting to listen to on the radio. Heard your show, and we had, at that time, three credit cards and a bunch of just worthless junk. But over the last four years, we've paid off about $195,000, and uh, we just paid off the house that we owned at the time. We, we got a little crazy and, and bought a new house recently, but we just sent in a check to pay off the house that we were living in when we first started your program. Wow. So debt-free but the house. Yes. Absolutely incredible. Way to go. That's excellent. $195,000 in four years. What was your household income through that four years? Well, the first three years, we were making anywhere from forty to 50000 a year. Um, I did basically everything under the sun. I was a car salesman. I owned my own granite countertop business. My wife, um, you know, was a stay-at-home mom. She also taught aerobics. But then I really took to heart what you said about uh, Dan Miller's book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, and I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired and working for somebody else. And I started, uh, you know, looking for something that I could do that I truly love to wake up to do every morning. And the last year of the four years of this process, I've made substantially more because I, like you always taught, I love what I do. And so I'm one of the best at it. And the money has just come in and we feel so blessed for it. So, so what do you do and how much are you making now? Well, it's pretty unique what I do. I'm basically a social media expert. I'm, for lack of a better word, a YouTuber. Okay. I make online videos on YouTube, and I'm part of their partner sharing program mm-hmm. where I get paid through Google AdSense for mm-hmm. making YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And um, we've kind of over the last three years that I started doing that, built up an audience of over you know 800,000 people that watch our videos, and we do product placements in our videos and basically get paid through advertising, you know, through our daily vlogs that we do. I love it. So you're making a couple of hundred grand a year now. 
well, who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, Mr. Social Media. Excellent job. I love it. You're, you're counting because you just paid off your stinking old house. I like it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> It beats saw and granite, I'll tell you that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> You're incredible, man. That's absolutely fabulous. Congratulations. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, that's so fun. That's a Dan Miller story. If you haven't sent that to him, you need to. I will. I will. Yeah, he needs to know about the guy who <laughs> sold cars and sawed granite, and now he's making six figures plus doing his own deal that he loves doing. That's fabulous, <laughs> man. That's a great story. Oh, Thank that you. little that little bitty forty eight days to the work you love book that, that rocked your world more than our stuff did. Because I mean, we, you were doing the right stuff, but man, you just poured gasoline on the fire, didn't you? Yeah, that's that's what we needed. Because me and my wife, luckily, I I married. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. I've never played that before on a podcast. It's been some time since I listened to it. Uh, but that, that video, that video right there has been viewed 1,093,297 times. All right? And I'm not even sure that's an up-to-date figure. That's the one I had from some time ago. So so think about that. So over a million views, they weren't asking for money from anybody, but the first thing you'll see, now I don't, I don't know what you'll see, I'm sure they roll, but when I popped up that video here this morning and looked at the first thing I saw was a banner ad for shelter insurance. That's how they make their money. So they do something that's engaging for people. So you can do the same thing. If you do something that's engaging for people, they watch, and while they're watching those little Google ads, those little ads that run across there, that's where you make your money. So you can do something interesting. I, I look up, I mean, if I have, you know, something I want to do, I had a deal the other day on something I didn't understand on my, well, I was trying to find the, uh, the horns on my Corvette and, uh, I didn't know where they were. You know, it's kind of hard to be in the driver's seat and push it and then run out and see. No. Anyway, what did I do? Just jumped on YouTube, found it instantly. But in doing that, I didn't have to pay anything for that. But in doing that, I also was exposed to multiple promotional ads on there. That's how you make money on there. Man, you can do that. Well, goodness, we're going to wrap up with that. Golly, I love that. Love that story and love the ingenuity there, young couple. And believe me, yeah, they they went on. I mean, they were making well over... 400,000 and they, they moved to LA. He lost a lot of weight. You can, I'll put a link to that, to that video in the show notes. And in doing that, you can go and find their current information. They're still doing this. They're absolutely rocking in that space, but have changed their lives dramatically just by taking action, moving into that. And that's the vehicle that they used. No college degree, no fancy training, just doing something, found a niche in the marketplace, took action, rocked it. Well, remember our quotation, all growth is a leap in the dark, a spontaneous, unpremeditated act without the benefit of experience from Henry Miller. And our resource for today is, there you go, resource is the Eagles Club. Check it out, 40daysEagles.com. I mean, I don't, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, am I selling? Yeah, but what is selling? Selling is sharing enthusiasm about something that you really believe in. If you have something you really believe can help people and you don't share that, you're doing them a disservice as well as yourself. Anyway, hey, 
Love to have you check it out, 48dayseagles.com. Hey, thanks for being part of this growing fun community that we've got. I got a lot more questions that have accumulated here in a couple weeks that I've been on the road, but we'll get to lots of those coming up. Continue sending those in to Dan, ask Dan rather, ask Dan at 48days.com. Can you get a success story or have a question? Ask Dan at 48days.com. Thanks for being part of this community where we know we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Don't settle for less.